Hello and welcome to Peace Lab. I'm your host for this episode, Hannah Heinzicker, the Executive Director of The Mennonite Inc. And because of some technical difficulties, unfortunately my co-host Jason Boone is not here with us, but I am very excited to have Sarah Thompson here with me at the Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary Library in Elkhart, Indiana. And Sarah is the Executive Director of Christian Peacemaker Teams. So thanks for being here, Sarah. For sure, it's great to be back in this library where I spent so much time um, reading and conversing and working on what it means to show up um, as a faithful follower at this time. And Jason Boone is also the incoming chair of the CPT steering committee, so really grateful for that overlap to work with Peace and Justice Support Network in that way. That's wonderful. I didn't know that, so that's a fun additional connection here. I wonder if you could think about one story. I know there's probably so many stories from your work with CPT, but is there one story that you tell over and over that kind of illustrates the work that you all do? One of my favorite things to talk about is the campaign that related to um, the lives of campesinos, the small farmers in Colombia, in the place called Las Pavas. And that was a place where, after having been displaced for many years, a community group of farmers got together and cultivated uh, land. And they'd been there so long that under Colombian law, they would have access to that land legally. But as the war came to a close and power shifted in Colombia, um, multinationals have been swooping in to buy out from underneath uh, these small farmers' land. And this leads to more displacement. So as a community of Las Pavas um, one day went out to their land, they, they were hearing tractors in the distance and bulldozers, and they were wondering what was happening. And so they, they, they went there and they discovered that a company called Dabon um, was part of a multinational complex that was able to buy this land right out from under them. And they found their, their bean plants scattered, their plantains ripped up, and their cacao bushes thrown all over the place. And, and this is their livelihood. This is their uh, sustenance. And so in that despair, they had heard about Christian Peacemaker Team's work up the river and so invited us to come with them to stand in front of those bulldozers and tractors. And we did. We, we joined them. And as we stood there in blockade together um, to slow down the destruction that was happening, uh, we had time to strategize. Because when you're holding a blockade, you have time for a lot of things. Some people cook, some people sing, other people's Uh, teach children, you you hang out, maybe interact with some of the people uh, who are like security guards for that multinational corporation or other things. And they strategized together and and then later came together in a community meeting that that determined that indeed the farmers of Las Pavas have legal access to that Mm -hmm. land. And and so then Christian Peacemaker Teams, um, and why I tell this story often, um, is because it illustrates that we take our direction from those who are most impacted by the violence that, that's happening, and we don't claim to be neutral, because being neutral in situations of injustice essentially makes you take the side of the oppressor. And so um, we unapologetically figure out how power is pooling and flowing uh, in a certain situation and, and side with those who, who don't have a lot of power. And we bring whatever power we have from being uh, people from, from outside the community be it people from other parts of Colombia or other parts of the world, um, to show that the international community is watching and paying attention to the the rights of the planet, to the rights of people, to uh, importances of dignity. 
uh, we can use that power and leverage to make it possible for a real negotiation to happen and make it possible um, for there to be more equity in a scenario. And so what the community asked us to do, they said, some of you stay right here with us in the blockade and some of you find out where uh, this palm oil is, is going because Dabon was a palm oil corporation that was beginning to plant a monocrop of palm oil where, where these farmers had had their uh, like more permaculture subsistence sure, crops. Sure. And so when we found out that it was going to the body shop, we recognized that this company prides itself on being green and ethical. And so we told them right away. So this is happening. the body shop that's kind of like in the vein of Bath and Body Works producing like lotions and that yes other okay. high-end cosmetics yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for folks mm-hmm. in, in the global north and and so and so we let them know right away we and they told us well i'm sorry there's nothing we can do it's a subcontractor and we said oh body shop we think there is something you can do and you came to be ethical and green this is your chance to prove it and so we took uh our our energy and our commitment to the farmers that we had made to take to take their story and the images that we had gathered through photo documentation, through video documentation there, we took them right to the consumers of the body shop. We entered the stores um, in London, in LA, in Chicago, a lot of places, anywhere CPT reservists are. And uh, what I mean by reservists is people who've been trained by CPT uh, to be able and ready at, at a moment's notice to, to stand up for, for what we believe in and to stand uh, for those who are being crushed by how the international economic system and international war system functions. And, you know, uh, when we took our information to those consumers there at the body shop, you know, people get mad when you mess up their shopping experience. You know, they, they say, well, this is my freedom. This is my choice. Through CPT training, you learn how to respond to a comment like that. You learn how to be ready to give uh, testimony to the hope that is within you. And and so we were practiced. And so we, we said, you know, is your freedom the only freedom that matters? What about the freedom of the Colombian farmer to be able to uh, eat to be able to have access to clean water, to be able to sustain their life. Does that freedom also matter? Anyway, we got thrown out of a lot of stores and arrested and things like that. But also within CPT training, we prepare for situations of being in jail and we prepare for situations of giving support to people who are in jail. Mm -hmm. We also did a letter writing campaign to the body shop as well as invited consumers to boycott the body shop until it used its true power and leverage to um, discipline Dabon for acting in unethical ways environmentally friendly ways and quite violent towards the community. Mm-hmm. This took a year and a half of pressure, but the body shop did end up cutting that contract with Dabon as a result of this international campaign and the farmers work on the ground, not letting up, um, insisting that they had a right uh, to be there. And so the farmers, uh, they, got, they got their land back and they're back, they're back there today and because of their work, actually, they received a, a national uh, prize, then the Colombian equivalent of the, the Nobel Prize. And wow. so this also helps set precedent for other communities to nonviolently resist multinational corporations and uh, these sale, sales of big swaths of land on which um, small communities who are internally displaced are now settling. So, so that's the story I tell because it talks about the collaboration between the grassroots and the international. It talks about the importance of training mm-hmm. um, because CPT was founded with these questions. What if those of us who are committed to peacemaking trained as hard for it as militaries trained for war? And what if we were willing to give of our lives day in and day out, um, as well as potentially the ultimate um, giving of our lives uh, f- you know, for peace and following the Prince of Peace 
just as as soldiers are expected mm-hmm. to get for war. So so it, it combines all of those elements, and it's encouraging to people because it lets it lets people know there are successes um, in this work, mm-hmm. and that change does and can happen. Right, and there's so many different ways we could go out from that story. And one one thing to pick up on. Right there at the end, you're talking about the foundational purpose of CPT, this idea of training to be peacemakers. And I've heard you before use the phrase confrontational nonviolent direct action. And there's been sometimes, I think for Mennonites, this tension in what we mean when we talk about peacemaking. Is that non-resistance? Is that unengaging? And I think CPT has taken a much more active stance. And I wonder if you would unpack that phrase a little bit um, for people. Mm-hmm. Dr. Martin Luther King uh, called people to be a creatively maladjusted. And what that means to me is similar to confrontational nonviolence. Like you think, oh, we don't want to be maladjusted. We want to be adjusted. But King said, there are things that I never want to be adjusted to. I never want to be adjusted to segregation. I never want to be adjust, uh, adjusted to injustice. And, and it's the same way with, uh, with nonviolence and, and, and confrontation. There, there is no such thing as a passive ally. You can either be an active ally or you can be part of the problem. Uh, there's no way to be neutral in situations of injustice or in a changing world. Everything is shifting all at once. So, so when, when a, a system um, or, I say, you know, a power and principality is, is set up in such a way so that not all, um, including the earth, uh, are benefiting, then that calls for, for resistance to that system. And, and it's not just a pushing against. It's not, uh, confrontation doesn't mean that. Confrontation means being visibly an alternative. Because just living visibly as an alternative is, is a confrontation to the system because the system wants us to conform and keep our heads down and, and pretend that, it's, that this is all not important to us except what's happening within our families and communities. Now, when we live in those alternative ways, it's not just for ourselves. But witnessing means that you need to be close enough to see what's going on. And so part of that confrontational witness um, is also being close enough and in the mess of what's going on enough that, that you can take a stand and you get in there nonviolently because it's not on you to, to choose, you know, who, who lives or, or dies. Um, and, and the commitment is, you know, if harm be done, let it be done to us rather than to you. You're not resisting an evildoer in that sense. But bringing your passion into that moment as a nonviolent person, you can try various methods of, of change making and resistance and confrontation. But because you're committed to not killing anyone or not eliminating your conversation partner, well, then, if you find that what you did was a little bit off or didn't work, there's a chance later you can go back and ask for forgiveness. Uh, there's a chance later that you can um, apologize you know, to, to that person or, or people. And so nonviolence allows us to experiment with a lot of different ways of saying this injustice needs to stop, but we're still open to each other as a, as a human being. Um, I would say that that's, that's a shorter answer of a much longer question. So my invitation would be for people to be in dialogue with Christian Peacemaker teams, to, to donate and to get on our mailing list and to, to really see what we mean by taking an active stance and to also know that we are on the front lines and the invitation is for people not to necessarily uh, discuss about and, and chastise what people do on the front lines, but find a way to get yourself to the front lines and then let's have the conversation as we're working this out in the real world. Mm. Yeah. So not just hashtag activism in some ways, like putting your body out there on the line in the same way. And one of these, uh, you and I talked several weeks ago, August 13th, actually, I think one of the communities that you were invited into to do just this, to prepare people for this kind of work was Charlottesville. 
in the lead up to this white supremacist neo-Nazi march um, that took place. And you, can you talk a little bit about how you were involved with the local activists and folks planning for these counter protests and the resistance that happened there? Mm-hmm. Much like in Colombia, people in Charlottesville had heard of the work of CPT and they wanted assistance in a specific way. Christian Peacemaker Teams is, acc- is accustomed to being in, in places where there are multiple armed actors. Most of our nonviolent direct action training um, in the United States relates to having to deal with the state as the actor, police, military, that has the weapons. Because Virginia is an open carry state, there were going to be at least four parties within what was happening on August 12 that would potentially be armed. So uh, the Deep Abiding Love Project, um, which does training in uh, militant nonviolent direct action from a place of deep abiding love to dramatize the situation, um, they they called us in to, ass- to assist in their basic trainings and look at what tools are needed when there are multiple armed actors in any given space. We need to evolve our tactics right now in terms of what it means to do um, nonviolent direct action, in terms of what it means to understand where the front lines are, because they're now everywhere. We did worry, and so this was an experiment in a community gathering information so that it could be best prepared to protect one another in a holistic and community-oriented way. And so the Charlottesville community was having broad coalition discussions about how to live and to support those who were directly in the line of fire um, from neo-Nazis and white supremacists. And many people from many inspirations were involved in these conversations. And I'm really impressed with the Charlottesville community. And CPT was was invited in. Um, and this is not uncommon all, all over the world uh, where people are facing intense uh, racist violence and uh, governmental violence uh, for for CPT to be in the mix with many other people having a discussion about how we can best uh, show up and and be strong and love one another and 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 reduce the amount of uh, violence that is that is happening while recognizing that structural systems are in place that are also killing people every day. So mm-hmm. so I trained uh, people that day in in how to do some bullet dodging um, exercises, how to deal with snipers, how to use your powers of observation and uh, locating where you are so that you can keep your anxiety low. We talked about uh, having your paperwork in in order so that people know what you may want in terms of advanced medical directives should anything happen to you, as well as uh, thinking about having your relationships well and in, in, and in order and having your message and talking points available, the things that you need to do so that when you show up uh, publicly, uh, you are in alignment and you are ready for whatever may happen. So so we, we trained a number of times uh, throughout the day with uh, many different groups of people with these types of uh, pieces of information. And, and the feedback I've gotten since then is that the observation exercises and also teaching people how to run in ways that don't trample each other like were were really quite helpful as they added some new elements and gave people more confidence um, because having many guns around uh, does create a lot of fear and I recognize that that fear maybe never goes away but you grow in confidence with how to understand what's happening also in dealing with the uh, stand your ground laws and and types of uh, situations in which 
a number of, of white people are, are getting away with um, shooting unarmed people of color uh, or non-able-bodied people. We talked about allyship and the recognition that a white man or a white woman is a lot less likely uh, to be shot at than a person of color um, or a, a trans person. And so we uh, talked about what it meant to to have a deep buddy system that, that people could count on each other for security and safety. Mm-hmm. Because with CPT, from information around the world, we know that our true security is in relationships it's not in bombs and guns. Um, and so we were, we were part of the, the, those coalitions and willing to be in the mix with these conversations. Mm-hmm. There has been some talk lately referring to what happened in Charlottesville, sort of the rise of something of white supremacy. But in some ways, it seems like this is a manifestation of this deep systemic violence that's been happening all along in the United States. If you look back at our founding, um, taking land from indigenous peoples and then just moving on from there. Has this always, has addressing white supremacy and training people has that always been a part of the work of CPT? And are there other places where um, you're doing training like you did in Charlottesville? That has been a growing part of uh, CPT's commitment. In 2008, um, Mennonite Central Committee and their Damascus Road Department uh, did, CPT asked for an audit of our organization to learn the ways in which, although we were against violence, the ways in which our systems within the organization or the ways that we acted Uh, actually perpetuated the very violence that we did not like. Poverty is violence. Racism is violence. Patriarchy and sexism are violence. Homophobia and heterosexism are violence. And so as people who are committed to peace, looking at the ways in which this violence has got a hold of us is a brave thing for us to do. It's a necessary thing for us to do. It's a faithful Christian thing for us to do. And so uh, we look at the violence inside us as well as the violence outside of us now. It's a key part of the CPT peacemaker training. We, we know that we are not the people that fix uh, things, but we are called to name and to learn and to be about that peace that passes understanding, which is something that we desire for the world and we desire it for our inner world as well. And so addressing addressing white supremacy, uh, which which is uh, a sin, um, Jim Wallace would call it one of America's original sins that we know is, is deeply in the way that, that we organize. And it's not about blame and shame, but about naming it and figuring out ways that we can uh, learn from the leadership of people of color and others more impacted by the violence that has happened and continues to happen and orient our ways of being uh, to continue to support and locate ourselves alongside those who are marginalized towards, you know, changing changing the dynamics of power to be towards a space where we're all bringing all of our ancestry into the mix and uh, all of our hopes and dreams. But in order to really do that, first we need to clear some space and to confront the way that white supremacy is in action. CPT is available to to assist congregations in their journey around this. And and so, you, you know, you can just call the office at 773-376-0550 and uh, we can figure out how uh, we can support your congregation. We've been in, in conversation with uh, people of faith for peace in Wichita. We've been in conversation with, with other communities in Virginia, um, in the Reedley Peace Center in, in California, folks in the Northeast as well. CPT reservists come from 16 different countries and so have resourced some of the, the, the globe uh, in this work. And I think what's so key is that um, what CPT has learned from the last 30 years of, of work around the world is really applicable to what we're seeing in, in the United States. And so the international community is watching and paying attention to what those of us who, who, who say we don't like the direction of what's happening, paying attention to what we're doing. 
and to what's happening and really resourcing us with their stories and their experiences and cheering for us at this time. And so we want to we want to honor um, the work that they've done as well by by sharing it here with the communities. Yeah. And that was, yeah, sort of where I wanted to move into next, this idea of for folks listening, where are the places they can go to tap into resources? CPT, you mentioned, you have a website as well, cpt.org, that people can check out. Um, Roots of Justice, I'm aware of, which is what Damascus Road sort of has become. Are there other places you would point people to to sort of, as you've said before, I think, do their own work um, around this? You know, it's really something where you start anywhere and go from there. So you can call a friend who you think may know, or if you're into doing Google searches, just a simple Google search for resources to address racism, resources for active peacemaking. And through that, you simply do that, do that research and, and start to pull up these action guides. There are many now, there are many people who are activated. Peace and Justice Support Network and contacting the denomination can get you linked up with a number of these things as well. There's definitely no excuse to not be resourced at this time. The resources are, are out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that's all you can do right now is to just look up and compile resources, that's enough, you know. But, but go ahead and if, that's a, if that stretches you, go ahead and do that. And then maybe pass on those resources to, to someone else and, and just build up each other's courage at this time. It's really important to, to have these conversations. Right now within the world, the stakes are getting higher, not lower. So uh, let's, let's, let's go for it and we'll encourage each other along the way and learn what we can. This is faithful Christian work. And I know as we kind of close out our conversation here, I know that your time as executive director at CPT is coming to a close um, in the next while here. Um, what's next for you professionally? It has been an amazing term as executive director of Christian Peacemaker Teams. I have learned so much, and I'm very excited for uh, where the organization is is going at, at this time, and we're ready to move to a, to another level. And so I, I've helped to, to bring it to that level, and, and someone with uh, excellent organizational skills is going to come on from here. So I'm excited for that, and where, where my passion and work is headed continues to be in, in movement building, and I've been invited to participate with the Martin Luther King Jr. Center for Nonviolent Social Change. It's headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and 2018 is the 50th year anniversary of many things that happened in 1968, which was a huge year uh, for the United States and the world. And so it's kind of all hands on deck at the King Center for bringing these threads together of the strife that the country's in and also uh, the recognition of what has changed, grieving over the the gaps and pain that are still there and the growing inequality uh, between rich and poor, and really grappling with that from the location and work of the the faithful, the pastoral, the prophetic Dr. King. So I'm really excited for that. Well, we hope we get to follow follow some of your work there in the next year and see that come to fruition too. So Sarah, thank you for this conversation. Thanks for joining us on Peace Lab. Uh, if you're listening to this, Sarah has given you many challenges in this conversation, many ways you can dig in um, and do the work of finding your own front lines, wherever that might be. So thanks, Sarah. All right. Thank you so much, Hannah.